Welcome to Film Church, a podcast about movies, filmmaking concepts, and the cinematic arts. Today's podcast will cover a forthcoming film fest, Kids Film It Festival, in Movie Magic Minutes. I take a look at John Wayne's foray into playing ice hockey, and Film School Fact, Part 1 of Modes of Production, the studio production company. So today I have my son with me. His name is Maddox Bugby. Maddox. How are you doing? Good. Are you excited? Very excited. Are we going to be talking about some hockey in a hockey movie? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are going to be discussing one of Mannix's favorite movies. It's called Miracle. It came out in 2004. Uh, But first, I want to get into some of the fun stuff. I'm about to declare this festival awesome. The forthcoming Film Fest, the 5th Annual Kids Film It Festival, will be held online on Friday, March 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, this is a cool film fest. It is for kids by kids. And this is what it says uh, on the website. The Kids Film It Festival started with a vision from 12-year-old Ryan Levine. Ryan's dream was to find a way to pair his passion for movies with a philanthropic cause that hit very close to home for his family. Parkinson's research. Ever since Ryan was young, he loved movies. Eventually, that passion grew into filmmaking. Unfortunately, he came to find that there weren't many outlets for young people to showcase their work in filmmaking. Many festivals show films made for kids, but not made by kids. When Ryan's grandmother was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, Ryan wanted to find a way to help. He decided to pair his filmmaking dream with his philanthropic passion, and that mission led to the creation of the Kids Film It Festival. So to attend, uh, you make a donation on their website at uh, kidsfilmitfestival.com, and then tune in on the website Friday, March 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. What do you think about that, Maddox? That's cool. Yeah, it's a film festival for just kids. Cool. Just kids so adults can't come? Well, they can watch, but they can't make any movies to show, to show off. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so uh, my next little part here that we're going to talk about is uh, film school fact. Cinema! Cinema! Modes of production. The Studio Production Company. There are many ways to make movies, and as a member of the audience, you may or may not realize how the movie you are watching was made. Large-scale productions are films that are made within a studio-style system with distribution typically pre-planned. Stemming back to the 1920s, the studio heyday took place through the 1960s and began to adapt as the industry evolved. Walt Disney Studios, Warner Brothers, or Paramount Pictures are American examples of successful studios started in the 1920s and still working today. 
but in a new capacity. Studios today are largely distribution companies that contract with independent production companies who find projects and coordinate production. Producer teams work to create a complete film package, that is, they contract production managers or production coordinators. The line producer is the one to take care of almost every aspect of production coordination, working to put together the movie crew and handle any problems that arise during the shoot. The line producer facilitates casting, location scouting, set building and decorating, offices and stages, wardrobe, props, stunts, physical and visual effects, camera, lighting, rigging, transportation, cast, crew, and union relations, travel, casting crew accommodation, contracting of legal permissions and agreements, safety and risk management, prep and shooting schedule. Wow. In short, the line producer oversees the joint planning, negotiations, implementation, and accounting for production. Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. So those, those type of movies are the big budget movies. So when you're watching Disney+, Plus, the majority of those are made by big production companies. So basically the people who are like the biggest and they make a lot of movies and they're popular? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Pretty much. Do you have any questions about that part? No. <laughs> okay, no problem. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about some uh, film history, and I like to call this part... Movie, 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 Back when the studios were churning out films, the now infamous John Wayne, who was known for his westerns, played a hockey player in 1937's Idol of the Crowds. John Wayne was still unknown at the time, and his career did not take off until the hit film Stagecoach was released in 1939. John Wayne grew up in Southern California around Palmdale, close to the Mojave Desert, so ice hockey was as foreign to him as where the desert dunes were to the Inuit people of the Arctic. To play the role of a star hockey player, Wayne had to learn how to skate for the role. Scott Einman, who wrote the book John Wayne, The Life and Legend, and in a phone call with Slate Magazine said, For his skating, he basically gets away with it. He's okay as long as he's moving in a straight line. To get a job, he had to do the one sport he'd never played before. And naturally, he was a little unnerved. Iman also quoted John Wayne, who said about the skating experience, I'm from Southern California. I've never been on skates in my life. Wayne says, I was in the hospital for two days after that. <laughs> oh my, John Wayne was not really known for swearing. That's why we're doing the bleeps tonight. Yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. The movie was about an amateur hockey player turned chicken farmer who was called up to help a floundering professional New York Panthers hockey team. Gangsters get involved and attempt to have Johnny rig a game. Overall, this one-hour movie was not a huge hit, 
Madison Square Garden also brought a lawsuit against Universal Pictures for portraying their stadium in name while using real footage from the Stanley Cup game that actually took place in the Detroit arena. That lawsuit failed. Do you know who John Wayne is, Maddox? Um, a famous actor? He was, yeah. He's no longer with us. Hmm. So basically, he's underground? Like <laughs> yes. people do. They dig a hole and they put him underground. Pretty much, yeah. He was he was famous for making westerns. Do you know what westerns are? Western movies? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Playing a cowboy. Cowboy? That's what they called him, yeah. Cowboys. I don't think he made any cowboy movies. <laughs> he was known for that, actually. Hmm? John Wayne, yeah. We'll have to look at some someday. So before we get into talking about the movie, I wanted to cover a little bit about some history, okay? Okay. Director Gavin O'Connor, he had made the decision to hire real hockey players to be the actors in the movie. He said it would be easier to teach hockey players how to act rather than try to teach actors how to skate, which would be practically impossible due to the fact that it would take so much time, one, to learn how to skate, but also teach them how to actually play hockey. So those, those actors in the movie that you saw were real hockey players. Really? Mm-hmm. And there was about 4,000 hockey players that tried out, that auditioned. Wait, to... you know how when we, uh, we were watching Miracle, then we finished mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. and then that game popped up of Miracle versus the Russians? The real game, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were those the real, actual players? Yes, yeah. Yeah, in fact, when that game happened... It was not broadcast live because there was some other stuff going on. I think it was ABC. So ABC recorded that, that game and played it two hours later for everybody to watch. Cool. Yeah. So some of the other stuff, uh, there was that Herbie's scene. Yeah, when they had to do um, Red Lion back, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So that scene took three days and 12 hours for each day to shoot. To make that movie? Yeah, so those scenes, they, they took 12-hour days. And so because the director wanted everything to be real, so when the players were actually out of breath, they were completely worn out in real life. Really? They really did it. Yeah, they skated for three days, 12 hours each day, to, just for that one scene. Wait, they really actually skated for three days. Yeah, way longer. Way longer than what actually happened in real life. But that, that oh according to the hockey players that actually played for Brooks at uh, the University of uh, Minnesota, those Herbies were a common thing. And there was another incident for a game uh, against uh, another college where they had lost the game and they were the defending champions. And Brooks uh, took them home, and they got on the ice, and they skated for something like four hours doing just Herbies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another little fact. After they did th that skating, those Herbies, uh, after the Norway game, 
they uh, they won their next game something like nine to zero. So shutout. It did it did motivate them. They got a shutout. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one sad fact about this film, uh, Herb Brooks, the real Herb Brooks, uh, he had died in a car accident after he was thought to have fallen asleep at the wheel returning from a golf tournament. Golf? Yeah, so he he went to uh, help raise money for the Hockey Hall of Fame. On his way back, he crashed, um, and they think that he fell asleep at the wheel. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and my last little bit I wanted to mention here. Well, actually, there's a couple. Lou Lamoriello, the New Jersey Devils president and general manager. Probably not anymore, but it, at the time, um, the New York Times had talked to him, and they he said that uh, Herb opened the door for college players to get the opportunity to play in the National Hockey League, the NHL. And he added, it was a closed door before the 1980 Winter Olympics. That year, the door opened. So before 1980, no college players were ever drafted in the NHL. What? I thought um, college kids could go into the NHL if they're really good. They can now, but at the time, before 1980... It was only adults, apparently. So you had to be how old, like your age? Probably in the early, early twenties, maybe eighteen. That's teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that was very rare, especially back then. It's a long time ago. All right, one one last little fact. Um, there was a line in the movie where uh, the character Jack O'Callahan is greeting the goalie Jim Craig. And he calls him a sieve. What does that mean? <laughs> so a sieve is uh, a cooking utensil that you use to strain your noodles. Huh? Mm-hmm. So he was referring to him allowing too many shots go into their net. What? So it's hockey slang. In, in hockey, if a goalie is not so good at making saves and he's letting a lot of shots through you can call him a sieve hey sieve there you go there's a little little uh, hockey sling for you all right so let's uh let's talk about some movie stuff yeah what do you think yes one of the things that i like to do on my podcast is talk about the genre of film and specifically the subgenre now the, this movie miracle it's uh, it's what what is it about? Um, it's about a coach selecting his hockey team, and uh, um, getting um, he has to go against the Russians, and he he wins. I th yeah, he wins the last time, and he loses against the first of hmm. the hockey game. I see. So, what uh, what genre would you label this as? What type of movie? Um, a hockey movie? Yeah. Yeah, sports, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, they also will fall under drama, I would say. So, let's call this a drama sports hockey film. Uh, we, can, we can make that a little bit wider. Drama sports film. Okay? Okay. So, what other 
movies would you recommend watching in this genre? I would recommend The Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks, huh? Which one? Mighty Ducks um, 1, probably. The first one? Okay. How come? Because it's my favorite. Because when he selects the hockey players, the little kids. He makes the team. He puts the team together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any others? Mighty Ducks 3. So number one and number three? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with number two? Number two isn't my favorite. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. That's fine. No worries. Okay, so we are going to get ready to talk about the movie now. Uh, so this is Miracle. If you haven't seen Miracle... Just be ready for a bunch of spoilers. Now, this this is all based around fact. This is a true story that had, took place in 1979 and um, ultimately 1980 in the Winter Olympics. So, uh, go watch the movie if you haven't. There's some great documentaries around this as well. But we are going to be ruining the movie thoroughly from this point on. Miracle. Miracle, 2004. All right, Maddox, so this this movie was directed by Gavin O'Connor. Who's that? Oh, he's a guy who likes to make movies. He's a director. Famous? Kind of, yeah. He, he did the movie Tumbleweeds in 1999, a movie called Warrior in 2011, and The Accountant in 2016, amongst some others. Those were, I think, his most notable. Anyway, so uh, let's start out with the very first scene in the movie okay okay now it's been a few days since you watched the movie probably like three weeks mm-hmm. yeah, anyway so the, at the very beginning herb brooks is a coach and he was the coach for the university of minnesota and he is called in to uh, talk about potentially being the coach for the 1980 olympics yeah. And he's pitching these guys this idea that is totally never been done before. And what he wants to do is pick his players uh, based on their skill and their ability to work together as a team. And he also wants to take a different uh, method. So he wants to use a hybrid method of the Russian school and the Canadian school. So two schools combined, basically? Mm-hmm. The Russians and the Minnesota, I think you said? Canadian school. Oh, Canadian. Yeah, what that means is the style of play. So at the time, the Soviets, I should call them the Soviets because it was the Soviet Union. Yeah, and the Soviet Union. They are Russians, but they are also referred to as the Soviets during this time. Anyway, so... Uh, Brooks, he had just come off of winning three NCAA titles for college hockey in the 70s. And so he was he was basically one of the best coaches out there. Because he won, like, against every single team. Yeah, he won three titles. He did really well. So that was one of the reasons he was selected. So uh, now leading up to this, the Soviets had been winning the gold medal for every previous Winter Olympics. Yeah. 
the last time and the first time that the Americans won gold in, in hockey was 1960. Now, there's actually a really cool story behind this, and it's part of the reason why Herb Brooks was driven to want to coach so badly. So in, in 1960, Herb Brooks was part of the USA hockey team so much to the point where he he actually he was in the photo the team photo for that team but the day before the team was about to leave for the olympic games he was cut from the team why he was cut mhm mm yeah they didn't keep him on the team they brought in somebody else huh. so he was forced to go home and and watch the olympics on TV in 1960, and uh, he watched them win the gold. So it really, it really shocked him. Yeah, it really shocked. He, he, well, he wanted to be there, and it really kind of inspired him to push himself to try to either coach a team or play again. So he wasn't able to get onto the team any anytime soon after that. And it was not until 1979, so about 20 years later, that he started working out his, uh, his dream. His, yeah, his dream to coach. Yeah, so again, the Soviets, they won gold in 1964, 1968, 1972, 1976. Oh my god, that's a lot of medals. <laughs> it sure is. So Herb Brooks was selected to be the coach um, after a couple of other coaches passed on the opportunity and seven months before the opening ceremony they started training and selection of the players and so they, they basically invited everybody to Colorado Springs and put on this it was supposed to be a week-long exhibition to select players so they had 80 players and they're needing to get it down to 26 no, I saw it that there's only you can only have twenty players. That's right. But overall, they can get a total of twenty-six. Twenty players in the end, but they wanted twenty-six so that they had some backups to choose from as well. Just in case, like a person got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Herbert already picked out his players. Remember, he was up in the like the radio booth. Yeah. Looking down and making notes. But he had pretty much already... Got all 26. He planned out, yeah. And well, the other coaches were picking players for a while. Yeah, they were looking too, and they, they thought they were going to be part of the process because typically that's, that's how the organization works. But he's there, don't get any part, because he's the head coach. That's right. He took the initiative and said, this is my team, this is who I want to work with, so you better like it or, or I'll leave. There was a little fallout there for that, but ultimately he was backed, and he got to pick his 26 players. So, like, no one, the other team didn't, like, the other part of the people that picked didn't have any word in it? That's right, yeah. He just got to pick all of his players, and they started practice. Now, when they when they first started, Herb, Herb actually gave them a test. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. He gave them a test to do. Yeah. One player didn't do it, and then he took it mm -hmm. later in it. Yes, and that who was that player? Do you remember his position? 
on my thing. Left wing, I think it was. No, he was the goalie, Jim Craig. Oh, right. Yeah, so Jim Craig refused to take the test, and Coach pulled him to the side and, and asked him, like, what's going on? Jim Craig, he had lost his mom the year before, and his dad was having a hard time with that. So he, he took a moment to connect with him, and he, Herb gave him the opportunity to not take the test, even though he really wanted him to. But he ultimately wanted to know if Craig, the goalie, Craig the goalie, if he was committed to the team. He was going through a lot at the time, and he had some other offers to go and play hockey elsewhere. But when Craig told Coach Brooks he was fully committed, he let him stay even without taking that test. Yeah, but also, because you have to have two goalies in the game, mm -hmm. your backup goalie just in case the other goalie gets hurt. True. Or have to send out of the game. You're right. For doing a bad penalty. There was a backup goalie, and I don't remember his name. But he actually never really played. No, I don't think he played no. any of them. That's right. He was just a backup the whole time. It was Jim Craig that took us to the, the gold. Took us to the medal. Mm-hmm. Now, spoiler alert. Spoiler they, alert. They, they win. <laughs> but well, if you don't know this history, I mean, it did happen quite a long time ago. We're talking about what? 40 years ago. 40? Yeah. Okay. Came. So, here's a quote for you. When Brooks was going through that selection process, he, he had said, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. So, again, he wasn't looking for the, the top of the... Not NHL. NHL is the top league. That's right. They had used NHL players in the past, and they got creamed by the Russians. Yeah. So, he wanted to build a team... Not so basically WHL? And college players mainly. So that's basically WHL. Or yeah. AHL? For the equivalent today. Mm-hmm, yeah. So like the Winterhawks? Winterhawks is WHL, and actually the Winterhawks, the WHL uses players that are 15 and a half to 20. And they're limited to only having three 20-year-olds on a team. So it's really about teenagers, teenage mm. players. So it's a junior league. So basically junior high? No, it's high school and, and college still. Mm. Let's talk about Herbie's. So Herbie's was uh, a workout that Coach Brooks came up with. And this included... Standing on uh, one of the goal lines, and they had to skate down to the blue line and back to the goal line again, and skate to the red line, which is the center line. Yeah, the center lines are red, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then go back to the blue line and back, and again. So they go all the way down and all the way back. And they have to do this within 45 seconds. Yeah. As fast as possible. And the middle line is called, that's where you drop the puck. Mm -hmm. So like the puck drop, basically. Yeah, the center ice. And one of the quotes from this time that was documented by one of the players on the team, 
Herbert said, Because the legs feed the wolves, gentlemen. Now, what do you think he meant by that? Feed wolves? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Where would you get wolf? The legs feed the wolves. So you cut off someone's legs and feed them to wolves? It's kind of what it sounds like, yeah. But what he's getting at is in order to be a tough player, you have to have the really strong legs. Mm-hmm. And so this this uh, this workout was designed to make them very competitive to the highest level of conditioning as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so at this point in the movie, they've been going through a lot of training, and they are really just getting used to each other, playing with each other, and there's about five months until the opening ceremony. They so they're a practice game? Yeah, so now they have practice games as they're still working out their team. So with five months to go, they go to Oslo, Norway, and play against a Norwegian team. Mm-hmm. And this in this game, they are the team. They're not really paying attention, are they? They're the people on the bench look at girls. And they're talking about girls. That's right. To bring them home after. <laughs> That's right. And coach is watching all of this. And he saw him. Yeah, he doesn't like what's going on. Cause you want to pay attention to what's playing the game, mm-hmm. so you know what's happening. That's right. And. They end up tying the game. Mm, yep, tiebreaker. Yeah. Now, in the, in these days, there was no overtime. Overtime or shootout. Mm-hmm. So, it just ended in a draw. That's right. And each team typically would get one point, I believe. So at at the end of the game, the assistant coach stops the players from leaving the ice, and he says, "Herb wants to tell you guys something. He wants you guys to do something." And this is when they're forced to do those Herbies mm-hmm. over and over and over again. For like, was weren't they doing it for like an hour? At least. It seemed like it. They um, were asked if they could get off the ice so the Zamboni could come out and... and Clean the ice mm-hmm. so it's ready for the next game. Yeah, exactly. But you know, Herb said, I'll, I'll take care of it. And then eventually they turned off the lights, and they kept working. In the dark. Do you remember what, how how that scene ended? How did they, how were they able to stop playing, or practicing? Um, because they couldn't skate, I think. There was one player that said something. It was Arizona, and he. Arizona. Arizona. Hmm. Yeah, Rizzo Arizona. Which in Italian, Arizona means eruption. Oh. Like a volcanic eruption. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So basically, it's a volcano erupting? And that's what his last name means, yeah. <laughs> Arizona, he shouted out his name, and then he also shouted out he plays for the United States of America. And at that point... USA. The US- USA hockey team. That's right. At that point... Coach said, all right, let's go to the locker rooms. So it ultimately was... Or you get undressed. Mm-hmm. But the reason he, he let them go is because they are now m- m- more of a cohesive team. So the USA hockey team. Mm-hmm. 
He takes them back home. They get stuck in Thief River Falls, Minnesota, when the plane taps a moose, apparently. A moose was on the runway and then ran off. And uh, they're talking about next steps. And once they get back home, they sit down and they start watching films of the Soviets playing. Well, he, the coach. The coach and the players at this point. Coach had been watching these films for a while, or Brooks. So weren't he going to why he's watching them because he wants to play the Soviets the same game that they play? Mm-hmm, that's right, and take it take it back to him. He, he wanted to show the players how they play and then give them the strategy to play their own game against them. Yeah, so they start becoming a a bit more of a a better team. There's a a lot more training going on, and they figure out that uh, there's some players that work better with each other, so they come up with one of the top lines, and that was Buzz. Weren't those three players that did a really good drill together? Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, Oh, yeah, so they were Mark Pavlich, Buzz Snyder, John Harrington. That was that line. Anyway, so they they do end up working out that top line. And mm-hmm. one of them had to get cut off of the team. Mm-hmm. One of the three players had to get cut. Not from that line, no. Oh. They, there were uh, six players, though, that he did have to decide to, to remove from the team. Mm-hmm. Six. So there's 20 left remaining. Right. So when he was still making the selection, uh, Coach Brooks, he brings in an outside player named Timmy, and the, the rest of the team, they feel threatened, right? Because he's he's thinking about switching out one of the existing teammates. Yeah. You remember that part? Mm-hmm. So ultimately he decides not to do it, and it's because uh, three of the players, uh, one being McClanahan and the other one uh, being O.C. Uh, O.C. is his nickname. O.C. is O'Callahan. So they had an O'Callahan and McClanahan. Oh boy, are we getting those names wrong? <laughs> McClanahan. Yeah, so there was a rivalry between O'Callahan and McLean McClanahan. O'Callahan and McClanahan. And didn't he say <laughs> fighting isn't playing hockey? Yeah, so we should jump back a little bit. There was a scene when the team was just getting put together and uh, there was this rivalry between these two players. So basically fight. Mm-hmm. And O.C. or O'Callahan takes a cheap shot at, at McClanahan and they start fighting. And at that point... The coach also says, fighting isn't playing hockey. That's right. So he lets them fight, and after the fight, coach says, we start becoming a team right now. Skating, passing, flow, creativity. That is what this team is all about, gentlemen. And also soft hands. Mm-hmm. You want to have soft hands. <laughs> Very good point. We'll jump back forward again, and and this this is the point when the three players confront the coach, and uh, they tell him that the team is a family now, and that he can't make any changes. And when 
And Coach Brooks hears this. He agrees with the players and tells them that he'll send Timmy home. So Timmy goes home, um, and then uh, they basically have their team. He has, he has to make one more cut. Because one more player has to be cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, there's um, 21 players. Yeah. I and mean, this was very hard for, for Coach because he was cut from the team at the last minute, and you can tell it was a very emotional decision for him. Mm-hmm. He could just leave one player if someone got hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're getting real close now to to going and, and playing in the Olympics, but they did have an exhibition game. Uh, they call it a warm-up game that they played against the Russians in New York before the Olympic Games. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm, and they lost. They lost pretty badly. It was like... Ten, zero. Ten to three. I thought it was zero. The Russians, you know, outscored them. And it was their first time playing them, so they got an idea of what they were about to get into. Mm-hmm. This time, it was, it was a lot going on in the world, and one of the things that had just happened was the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. Yeah. And the president um, at the time, President Carter, had condemned this, and he told them they would not be competing in the next Olympics if they continued this push into Afghanistan. So there was this threat that the Russians might not come to the 1980 Olympics, but in the end... The, the Russians decided to come and say, we're going to beat the Americans on their, on their soil as uh, the, this 13th Winter Olympics was taking place at Lake Placid in New York. Yep. There was a lot of, of uh, unrest in the United States. There was a lot of inflation, so a lot of prices were going up. There was the, the, the gas crisis and... Vietnam, we'd just been pulled out of there, and there was an embassy raided. Lots of things were going on, and so a lot of people were not so patriotic at the time. Anyway, so that, that kind of set the stage for this game, and there were a lot of people watching because the, the U.S. team was doing really good. They were beating a lot of other college teams as they were preparing, and uh, it was looking really good. But the game start, and the first team they played was... Sweden. Yep, Sweden. U.S. versus Sweden. And that first game, they were losing. Mm-hmm. Now, if they had lost that game, they would they would not be able to basically... Play against the Soviets again. They wouldn't be able to go for the gold, yeah. So it was very important. And in the last few minutes of that game, they were able to tie it up. Mm-hmm. Because they still made it. They still made it. They were able to advance. It was very close. Wasn't it like three to three? I think that one was two to two. Yeah. So it was the same one as last time. Mm. Three to three. So in the movie, this we kind of go back into a montage scene, and the next game they play against Norway, which so we remember they had tied that game when they went to Oslo, but this game they they took them out. It was five to one. U.S. beat them pretty good. And now they're starting to get a lot of attention uh, because, one, they, they did so well against Norway, and then next they played Romania and beat them 7-2. to two. Mm-hmm. And, I remember that one. Yeah, and, and then again, the, the next game, they played West Germany. That game was 4-2, to two. so mm-hmm. they, were, they advanced through the ranks pretty quick. After the West German game, 
came to the big game. This was the Soviet Union versus USA. That's right. This was the big showdown. I should mention that it was in that Sweden game, the very first Olympic game that they played, O'Callaghan was injured and he he had hurt his uh, his, Wrist. his leg. How? He had like a contusion. Oh, right. Anyway, so he had a contusion and he was out for all of the rest of those games until the Soviet game. So O'Callaghan was able to come back and he was he was one of their better players, one of their top scorers. So, I said here's the goal you said. No, that was Jim Craig. Oh. Yeah. O'Callaghan was the one that had the rivalry with McClanahan. But they got along then. Mm-hmm. After their fight. That's right. So they're getting ready to go in and, and play the Soviets. There's this this sequence where you just see the players sitting in the locker room and they're it's 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 very similar to the one at the beginning where they're all thinking. Yeah, getting ready. thinking about the game. Mm-hmm. How they're going to win. That's right. Mentally preparing. And we also see the coach. He's in his office all by himself. Thinking about the game. Do you remember what he was doing? Um, looking at papers to send out the roster. Yeah. His roster. His playbook. Hmm. His playbook. He had this big, thick, three-ring binder flipping through pages, and those coaches, they have all their plays. Oh, so they can tell the players what they're going to do? Mm-hmm. So he goes into the locker room after he's ready, and he's turned in the roster. They're ready to go on the ice? Mm-hmm. He tells them, great moments are born from great opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool saying. So anyway, they get on the ice, and they are... They're working it. Now this... This scene is uh, pretty famous. You can actually watch this game on YouTube. We found it. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to see the real game, go check out YouTube. It's it's pretty amazing. It's This game has gone down in history as probably the most important... Game in the universe? ...of the century, of the, of the 20th century. <laughs> Just because of all the things that were going on and the, the chances that, that the team... The U.S. team had of winning was so small because they had not won in so long and the Soviet team was just so good. It was quite a long shot, as they say. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much the, the most of the movie. I, I should mention that it wasn't just winning the Russians. Uh, the That was the second-to-last game, so... Whoever won that game got well, actually got to go on to the gold medal round, so. So the highest, and so they would have moved on to NHL or AHL. No, no, this is just the Olympics. But they had to play one more game to to officially win the gold medal. So, Finland was also a very good team that year. And Didn't they beat the Soviets? Finland. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had to play him or not. But in order for the U.S. to actually win the gold medal, they had to beat Finland in the end. And that game, that was actually a close game, too. They were losing up until the third period. And the team... And at the last minute, because they were tied up, mm-hmm. so at the last minute, the best player shot a goal. And one second, goal! That's right. Ah! That's right. 
All right, Max, was there anything else that you wanted to, to mention? Mm, I don't think so. Well, how about your hockey skills? You're, you're a hockey player yourself. Yes. What position do you play? Um, defense and offense. Are you doing both? Mm-hmm. How many goals have you scored this season? Um, probably like in all, um, like 30. 30 goals on your game days? Mm-hmm. Nice. That's Not on good. every single one, in all. What would you say, what would you tell other players about how to be a good hockey player? Um, what do you mean? If you had any advice to younger players, what would you tell them? I would tell them to work together. It's important to play again, like uh, as a team, huh? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Um, by just working together and passing, making good goals together. Does it require talking to each other? Very much. You have to tell them, pass! Okay. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. I think it was a lot of fun. It was. Did you have any movie recommendations? Just the Mighty Ducks. How about something completely different? Completely different. Could be anything. Shrek. Shrek? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. You like Shrek? It's a good movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right. There it is, folks. Miracle 2004. If you want to learn more about this subject, I highly suggest checking out the documentary Do You Believe in Miracles? The Story of the 1980 U.S. Hockey Team. You can find it on YouTube. And um, there's also another documentary that ESPN Films 30 for 30 came out with back in 2015 called Of Miracles and Men. And they go into detail about the Red Side, the Red Army, and the Russian hockey team, the Soviet Union's program, which was a military affair. Highly suggest it. Very good doc. Anywho, uh, that's all I got for you tonight. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever service you prefer to use. And also check out my website, filmchurch.org. And uh, if you have any suggestions or recommendations, please send me an email at podcast at filmchurch.org. Thanks for the support and catch you next week when I sit down with my friend Jason Dingus once again. And we talk about the film Starman from 1984.